Hello and welcome. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. Shocking, isn't it? I develop leaders and sales professionals all across the globe. I help them to tap into and achieve their true potential every day. I'm a business writer, speaker, and now host for this podcast, Shock Your Potential. Come on and join me. Let's learn and laugh together. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Shock Your Potential, my business podcast where I focus on excellence in leadership, sales, and the customer experience. But as you all know by now, I do some really wacky and weird things, and I'm currently sitting in cell block 12 of Eastern State Penitentiary in Philadelphia. And uh, joining me today is Lauren Zalit. She is the Director of Education and Programs, Tour Programs, for the penitentiary. And I wanted to um, to bring this as a an episode for us for many, many reasons. And I think we're gonna have a lot of fun. Actually, everybody has fun. I have fun when I do this. So first of all, Lauren, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. This Thanks is, for coming. It is, it's very unique, especially um, since Jamie walked me through uh, terror, some of the areas that are used mm. for terror behind the walls. Yeah. And uh, I was uh, telling her that I have still yet to come through that because I'm kind of a scaredy pants. So she only, uh, you know, scared me a couple times coming back. But for people who don't, who aren't from Philly or haven't come through here and visited something like this, what what's the first thing that if somebody says, what do you do and where do you work? How do you describe what you do and what this place is? What a great question. I mostly say that I work in a prison museum and then folks think about or maybe say something about Alcatraz. Oh, yes. Because that tends to be the more well-known prison museum. Mm -hmm internationally and especially nationally so then I'll just describe the environment in which I work and yeah it's similar to Alcatraz without um, without the uh, ocean around it yeah, yeah, <laughs> or the yeah, San Francisco yeah. Bay. so I work in an abandoned <laughs> prison that is a museum now so that's usually what I say and what is actually I've never thought about this question and I don't know that I've gotten it when I've been on the tour before but what was the in comparison to when this was built versus Alcatraz because mm. there's got to be a pretty significant yeah. time difference there is a significant time difference so Eastern State I would say is the most historic prison in the United States if not the world and Eastern State was an active prison from 1829 until 1970. It closed in 1971 and was abandoned until the 1990s when it became a museum. Whereas Alcatraz was only really a prison for a short period of its history. <laughs> so that's a major difference. They both were solitary confinement prisons. So that's a similarity and also kind of speaks to the legacy of Eastern State in the history of prison philosophy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And one of the things that you hit on there is the historical significance to this prison because there are so many factors about what happened here and how it influenced hundreds of other prisons around the U.S. So can you talk a little bit about that? And, and I know this, so I'm kind of cheating, but it's really a phenomenal story about the, you know, the inception of, you know, why this was truly a penitentiary. Right. And that word is, is very important in the dialogue and the history of this place. Right. And that's often something that I'll talk about with folks that have never heard of Eastern State before. So like, it's very common for me to get picked up here by an Uber, by a Lyft, and people will be like, you work in there? And then I have this whole opportunity to <laughs> exactly. share. And they're like, what, what goes on in what there? What this place is, right? <laughs> so yeah, Eastern State was the first true penitentiary in the world. The whole idea that people who had broken the law could come into a prison and change right. started here, right? And they, the founders of Eastern State named the goal 
with this word penitentiary. They wanted the people inside this place to become penitent, mm-hmm. to find true regret and true sorrow, and leave Eastern State totally transformed. As completely changed individuals. Yeah, yeah. and so I always equate that to, uh, you know, being raised in, in a... And my mother will kill me because she'll listen to this episode. And I always say my mother raised me with Catholic guilt. But, you know, the concept of guilt, you yeah. know, you feel bad, so you won't do something bad again. So that was, you know, and that, that was a real diff. I guess a, a difference in terms of prison versus mm-hmm. penitentiary mm-hmm. is you're not just going to be here to serve time for your crime. We want you to leave as a different person. Right, and it was a radical notion for the time mm-hmm. because prisons in this country, which was a, really adapted from a European model, were holding areas for people to later receive a public and physical punishment. So there really was no private prison sentence that would allow people a second chance. The founders of Eastern State believed that everybody was good and could change. And should have that second chance and have it be private. And I, uh, so when people were brought here, they were brought hooded and cloaked Mm -hmm. and disguised and that's how they left as well. So no one technically should have known they were here during that time. Right, right. And there's, you know, when, when visitors hear that, they're also surprised. Because this was considered a humane approach to criminal justice, but there's also <laughs> these dehumanizing factors yeah. of the original separate system, Eastern States' original philosophy, hooding prisoners, calling prisoners by numbers instead of names. Oh, yeah. And, of course, the one of the hallmarks of the separate system was people living in solitary confinement in isolation for their entire sentence, observing a strict rule of silence Um, But labor was also an original hallmark of that separate system because the founders wanted people to truly have a second chance and have a trade as they re-entered the community. So this place was all about people re-entering the community, which is really not necessarily what comes to mind when we think about prisons today. Right. And I was kind of laughing when you first started talking about that because I was thinking about, you know, the concept of it being human. But when we came through the first time and, and realized that, you know, people spent 23 hours a day in their cell and had one hour a day outside and a completely silent environment. And my husband looked at me, he goes, you would not make it five minutes here. Right. <laughs> it would be crazy. And it's true. I wouldn't be able to be quiet. I don't, I, there's just no way. Right, and I think that speaks to also the humanity that one can find in the space as a visitor. So Mm -hmm. visitors are experiencing an empty prison. Prisons are not typically empty, right? Right. So we as uh, tour guides and as tour program workers, we have to bring back all of the 80,000 stories of the people who were incarcerated here over the entire time that Eastern State was was open. So we really work hard to represent as many perspectives as possible mm-hmm. as we give tours of this building while allowing visitors to explore and share their own perspectives. Um, there really is no better place, I feel, for the general public to learn about what's happening in prisons now than by visiting Eastern State Penitentiary. Well, and especially when you think about the evolution, because, you know, as we talked about how it started out, you know, with this concept of total solitary confinement, and mm-hmm. and then we found that that was, and I'm saying we, but because I've been here so many times, I feel like I'm a part of it too, um, found that that was not uh, good for the psyche of individuals. Right. It was very, very detrimental. Mm-hmm. So as the evolution of this penitentiary, you know, really evolved over the time until closing in 1971 there were still attempts to try and keep it as a human humane environment when you're dealing with people who were incarcerated 
Right. So it's kind of the balance of, okay, we know you've committed a crime, but we want to also figure out how to help you rehabilitate and, and mm-hmm. turn and, and re, uh, reconnect with society in a way that's going to make a difference for you and society. Mm-hmm. And I think that's interesting about how you guys do it because there's obviously written testimonial from former inmates, but there's also a lot of the voice, um, mm-hmm. you know, where they've told their story. How, how have you, you know, how do you try to do that to really hit on the emotional core for me coming through here to, to say, okay, now I understand maybe that inmate and his story a little bit differently? Mm, we work really hard to keep the story accessible for people. So we know that 70% of our walk-in visitors report having no personal connection to the criminal justice system. Ah, that's interesting. So that's something that So they we, know nothing, so you're trying to make a lifeline. Right, or the, the things that they know are from television, mm-hmm. or from the movies, right. or from a magazine, or from a social media post. So we try to really break down those stereotypes and share what really happened here. And some of those things fit into the stereotype and some of those things don't. So I think that we just work really hard to tell stories of real people in a real and authentic space. And even just listening to you talk about your past experiences of Eastern State, like you put yourselves into the shoes of a person who could have been incarcerated here, right? And so that's really common for folks to come through the space because especially if they're on the audio tour, Mm -hmm. they're hearing the voices of people who worked and lived here. If they're on the guided tour, they're hearing those stories third person, you know, somebody's telling somebody else's story. And so we, re- we really work hard to tell accessible stories that visitors can relate to. Yeah. And I think you do a great job because it, especially when you, you know, go through and even for the six years or so we've lived in the neighborhood and we've come through multiple times. Whenever somebody comes to town, we bring them through. That's great. And we learn something new every time. But what I think it's amazing also to see, it's not just about, you know, we're sitting on this empty cell block and looking down, it is, I mean, it's stunning to see it, to imagine what it would have been to, to live in this. But you also pull through the infirmary. Yeah. Um, you know, how were they fed? You know, what you know, what kind of uh, you know evolution? Uh, the area where the ball field is. Yep. You know, things that that really made a difference in you know being treated more humanely as time went by. So I think it's fantastic. I think you guys do a great job with that. Thank you. So tell me then, what is, just on another flip side of the story, because I alluded to it earlier, so one of the biggest events you guys do every year is the Terror Behind the Walls, so mm-hmm. this massive, crazy, um, uh, you know, haunted house. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, how many visitors do you get through that every year? We don't really have... <laughs> don't have a count? <laughs> have solid numbers on. A lot. I don't know. Yeah, it's. I know that it's thirty-one nights yes. a week, and a lot of people, a lot of Philadelphians, yes. come to Terror Behind the Walls, and a lot of Philadelphians really know us mm-hmm. as Terror Behind the Walls versus daytime. So I get a lot of questions: Is Eastern State open during the day? Oh, wow. Is it open other times besides Halloween? So that's a little bit of um, kind of how we're known in the region. Mm-hmm. So a lot. A lot of people come through. I mean, I'm sure you've seen folks arriving, Absolutely. waiting in line. Waiting in line, yep. Enjoying all of our restaurants in the Fairmont yes. neighborhood. You know, there's a huge benefit. I agree. And it's funny, too, because that's why we have our, you know, I'm doing my little air quotes, free membership, you know, here, which we use, but we all, like I said, we always still bring other people through. But I know that you guys do that as a kind of a, a gift or a bonus to people who live in the neighborhood because of people feeling overwhelmed by there's a lot of cars during that time. But you know what? I 
I view it differently. I see it as just so much, there's so much life going on here. Yeah. So much activity when you have people coming and the laughter of people as they've, you know, they're on their way or they're coming back. So those are great things. Yeah, and I'm happy that you see it that way because that's really how we see it too, that we want the neighborhood to be engaged Absolutely. and involved and feel uh, neighbors to feel like they can steward this building with us and bring their relatives and their friends from out of town to see this space that is so incredibly unique and you really can't encounter anywhere else in the world. I agree. In fact, you know, a lot of people in our neighborhood, I hate to say this, but if any of you are listening to my podcast, then shame on you. I gotta get you in here. Is that a lot of people go, oh gosh, we've never even gone there. Right. And like, it's two blocks away. Come on. Right. Right. <laughs> and right. you need to see it because it's important for our history and mm-hmm. in the history of our country. Yeah. And just to get back to your other question about Terror Behind the Walls, Terror Behind the Walls is our main fundraiser. Mm-hmm. So it is what, you know, we we do it not only because it is, you know, the number one haunted house yeah. in the country. Absolutely. Um, and I think the largest one outside of a theme park that's happening and is just an incredible operation mm-hmm. that people really enjoy participating in. It provides employment for hundreds of people in Philadelphia to work as actors, to work as oh, makeup yeah. artists, etc. But it allows us to fulfill our mission mm-hmm. from a financial perspective. Well, let me ask you that, that a little bit. So can you talk a little bit about what fundraising does for the penitentiary? Well, um, I mean, I think it's kind of all around us right here. So it helps us stabilize buildings. Mm -hmm. It helps us repair a lot of roofs. So a lot of the ruin that you witness when you come here as a visitor. So Eastern State is in a state of suspended decay. Back in the day when we first opened for tours, visitors had to wear hard hats and sign waivers to come onto the property. We don't have to do that anymore. We are not sitting here in hard hats right now. So we do a lot of repair to the building. We have an amazing, we can attract amazing talent to come and work on daytime. All of our frontline staff are paid. People often wonder if we have volunteers that are working as tour guides, but everybody is a paid employee of Eastern State who's working daytime. Very good. So we have an an award-winning art installation program that's supported Mm -hmm. by Terror Behind the Walls, the Big Graph, which was one of our first pieces to catalyze conversations around mass incarceration in the country, was funded by Terror Behind the Walls. So I think that it's really runs through everything that we do to fulfill our mission. Absolutely. And it's not not an easy one. I mean, just like you said, sitting in here in this room and you realize, you know, that that uh, holding this piece of history together is, you know, it's important. And if it falls, if it falls down completely, you can't rebuild this. It's not it would never be the same. And you can, you know, who's going to invest in it. But if we can upkeep it and you know maintain it, it will uh, make a difference. Right. So how long was it empty? How long did it sit before from 71 until, uh, you know, this started to happen? It was abandoned for, I always say, approximately 20 years. Mm -hmm. So Eastern State was abandoned in 71. City of Philadelphia took ownership of the property. This was a state prison. Right. So Pennsylvania Pennsylvania. Department of Corrections oversaw this property. So it was passed over to the city of Philadelphia. They used it from 70 to 71 as an overflow jail for the city population. And then just kind (laughs) of shut it down completely. Yeah. Um, Realized that they couldn't continue to hold prisoners in here for the same reason that the state couldn't continue to hold prisoners in here. This building had become outdated and it was more cost effective for the state to move prisoners to other prisons and to continue to repair this building, which is always ironic because this building was an architectural marvel when it first opened. And everything else in this neighborhood is, you know, got some tie to the historical commission. So, you know, why not keep this one going too? Right. So city of Philadelphia just kind of let it 
be abandoned and that's how it fell apart and water damage and weather damage did a lot of the disrepair that you see all around you there's you know neighbors that tell stories of breaking into eastern state and throwing parties oh i bet um, that i could see that my favorite story you know a lot of music videos were filmed here during the period <laughs> um, so just so, like rocky yeah. kind of used the uh, steps or you know stallone without uh, permission there were some other things being done here yeah so i mean <laughs> films were made here and and the city of Philadelphia started to take redevelopment proposals at the end of the 1980s. Ah. They uh, took proposals to turn this place into a shopping mall, oh God. to a grocery store. <laughs> I was going to say, hopefully not condos. <laughs> into condos, no, that was true. That really did happen. But at the same time, an amazing group called the the Eastern State Penitentiary Task Force came together to save this building. Ah. Our current president and CEO was one of the people on that task force, Sally Elk. Wonderful. Um, and so people knew that we needed this building to be a historic site because all of the questions that the founders of this penitentiary were asking are unresolved in this country. Right. We have the most of our population incarcerated out of any other country in the world. Mm-hmm. So we need to be asking questions. We need to bear witness to what happened in this building in order to move forward as the United States and figure out what it is that we want out of prisons. Right. So your mission is beyond just having the historical significance for this as a museum and, you know, re- holding onto the building, but really to also still have a dialogue alive yes. about what does incarceration mean and how do we help people to rehabilitate and to re-enter the world. Mm-hmm. You know, those are challenging issues that uh, that, you know, have a lot of factors that lead to them and a lot of different possible solutions. So what are some of the ways you guys are helping do that? Well, we built the Big Graph Mm -hmm. in 2014. So that was really Eastern State with the museum voice drawing attention to mass incarceration. So our art installation program, which invites artists to kind of respond to the building, create site-specific installations, had been talking about contemporary issues in in prisons really since it started in the in 1995 right but in 2014 when we built the big graph which is a 16 foot high steel sculpture it's mm-hmm. essentially a 3d infographic that shows a 600 percent increase in the rate of incarceration since eastern state closed yes versus today that the united states has the highest rate of incarceration in the world by a significant margin and also racial disparity in the prison system, calling attention to that national crisis, which was a trend even when Eastern State was open, Mm -hmm. and really asking visitors, what do you think about this? Have you thought about this before? Mm -hmm. And what do you want this to look like in the future? So sparking dialogue, and not just having your own opinion, but encouraging people to have the right dialogue about the right issues. Right, right. And then in 2016, we opened a companion exhibit. So when we opened the big graph, visitors really wanted to learn more. Mm -hmm. Potentially, this was the first time they were really having an in-depth conversation or really noticing how significant this issue is, which many people consider the biggest civil rights issue you know, of our time in the United States. And so we opened an exhibit called Prisons Today Questions in the Age of Mass Incarceration to try to address the human costs and the impact of mass incarceration on children, on women, on returning citizens, folks who have been in prison, on um, entire cities. So there's a component in there called Million Dollar Blocks that highlights blocks in Chicago and Brooklyn, New York, where the government has invested 
millions of dollars in incarcerating people that live on those blocks rather than investing in those communities. Yeah, really. Instead of just trying to go right to the source and find solutions that are directly there. Right. Interesting. And and we don't offer solutions either. Mm -hmm. We raise questions. Right. And we do offer some connections that visitors can make in that exhibit in prisons today Mm -hmm. about people who are working for change and organizations that are working for change. So if folks want to get involved after they visit Eastern State, they can at least have some ideas of where they can go. And there's this really cool component of the exhibit where a visitor can type on an iPad a postcard to their future self to write about what they were thinking about. And they'll receive a postcard at certain times. I think it's months, year, and then years. Um, I don't remember exactly, and they'll get a postcard being like, hey, you visited this exhibit about mass incarceration. What do you think? Here's what you were thinking. And it really impacted you then. What have you done about it? Right, right. So encouraging people to just learn more, uh, that's really, I really look at our work as raising public Mm -hmm. awareness. Mm -hmm. That is such an amazing concept because it is easy to come through here and be affected by it and say, oh gosh, I really would like to see change. But then you walk back out and you go over to Jack's Firehouse and you have a great hamburger. And then the next thing right. you know, you're running the Rocky Steps and you go, wait, what What was important about that? Right. So what a cool way to be able to have people reminded, but to continue, uh, to be prompted to continue to think about it. Right. And the space itself, just the whole artifact of the prison is so provocative. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I'll never forget like three years, I've been here for six years, I guess three, two or three years ago when we have really started doing this work to connect the past with the present mm-hmm. so fully. I met a family and the, one of the parents said to me like, we'll be talking about this tonight over dinner. Oh, excellent. And I was like, okay, we did it. Yeah, like, absolutely. The, we, we reached the family There's our mission accomplished. And they're going to talk about this some more, which is really just, you know, what, what we want to do. And I had a colleague visiting yesterday who I met through the Inside Out Prison Exchange Program, mm-hmm. which is when college students take classes inside of prisons with inside students. So the outside students come in and there are students who are incarcerated who are, who are in the class as well. Wow. And he said to me, it was his first time visiting Eastern State, and he was like, I, I just feel like you're planting seeds. Wow. And I thought that was a pretty amazing comment. That is, that's a phenomenal way to look at it. Yeah. Okay, so I have to ask you about the prison's most famous uh, inmate. Sure. Obviously, and so for people who don't know, Al Capone spent some time here. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, you know kind of the revamp of his cell is is phenomenal to look at because it's so vastly different than anybody else's. But you know what is you know what, what's the reality? You know we kind of see that was did he really have it that good? Was he really bribing people to make sure he had you know nice linens and you know a stuffed chair, or uh, is that still a little bit brought up just kind of its lore? Well, I think that this is probably one of my favorite, you know, lessons in how history works, right? And encouraging visitors to decide what they think, uh-huh. right? The history is not fixed, right? I learned that by working here. Yeah. And I think that we need to look at all the evidence. So did the newspaper report that all the things that you just said were real? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. But do we believe what was written? Do we believe that the war, you know, the, what the warden said that right. he denied that all of these things were happening for Al Capone? He really did have 
access to rugs and radios and lived in, you know, quote, comfortable conditions because he had money. Right. And he was able to purchase items in the store at Eastern uh, State. Yeah. He purchased the radio from another prisoner. So people who had money had access to these items. Mm -hmm. And we know the most about Al Capone because he was famous. So right. he made the paper. Right. But who didn't make the paper? Right, exactly. You know what I mean? That's true. So I think that I always encourage visitors I'm working with at Capone Cell to make up their own mind. And to also realize like what appears in the historic record and then what does not appear in the well, historic record. Well, it's kind of like just history in general. Like history is written by the victors. Right. You know, so how much of history is real versus how much whoever wants their story to be told and last is the last one to write it and you know and have people believe it on a larger scale. Right. I think that's a great way to look at it is, you know, and it also encourages people to think and contemplate yeah. and talk and be able to make some decisions on their own. Yeah, I'm all about encouraging critical thinking. <laughs> I think that's something we do really well here. Very good. So as we get close to the end here, so you said you've been here six years. Mm -hmm. What's the most astonishing thing that you have learned that shocked you over your time here that has made you go, wow, that, that impacts me, or I'm really taking that away with me, or just, gosh, I never had any clue? Mm, I have to pick one thing. <laughs> well, you know, you can pick a couple. Um, the things are not what they seem. Working at Eastern State has changed my life. I never thought about prison until I started to work here. And the more I learned, the more complicated things got. Mm -hmm. And I hope that we are creating programming that bring visitors on that same journey where they want to know more and they want to look at something up close. And I think specifically my worldview has been transformed by meeting people who are impacted by incarceration, meeting people inside of prisons, meeting people who work inside of prisons, meeting people who are formerly incarcerated and have a parent who's been incarcerated and just realizing like what the true impact is. Yeah. And I just feel like you can't you can't unknow it once you know. Right. And then I just want to like tell everybody, and I guess that means I'm in the right job because my job is to talk to talk to people about this place <laughs> yeah, and train right people way. to talk about this place. But it's the power of place, and also taking a close look at something and realizing that what you thought is not necessarily how it is. Yeah. And not also anyone who's incarcerated, you can't paint them all with the same paintbrush. Right. And you know, at the end of the day, we're human beings. We're all right. we're all faulted. We're all you know we all right. have our um, you know our issues that are definitely not perfect. But we're all human beings, and right. and there are you know different levels that if we look at them more closely, maybe we start to ask different questions right. rather than just make assumptions. Yes. So if somebody wants to learn more about it, now obviously if they're going to come to Philly, you know they get on the big red bus or the tour right. bus that always stops here, which is fabulous. But if somebody is living far, far away, and I actually have, I can't tell you how many listeners I have in Japan and France oh, and great. Morocco. I'm so, um, they're, you know, if, if they aren't going to get here, how would they learn about Eastern State? And, uh, you know, if they're curious or want to also support the programs to keep things going here. I would recommend visiting our website, which is easternstate.org, mm -hmm. and following us on social media. We have really active social media that updates uh, folks who are interested on what we're doing, on the history of the building, what happened here, what's happening in prisons today. Every week as a staff, we read an article that is the number one story in criminal justice, and we post that on social media and invite oh, visitors to participate. We also live stream our Searchlight lecture series so people can access that on Facebook, and our international visitation 
reputation is growing. Excellent. So people from all over the world continue to come here. Excellent. I think that's fabulous. Well, I cannot thank you enough for the time today in this very unique place to be able to tell this story because it's very important. It moves me every time. And uh, I want to make sure you guys keep doing what you're doing. Well, thank you. Thank you for highlighting our work. Absolutely. And thank you for being a member. Absolutely. You bet. Okay, maybe one day I'll actually come through Tarot behind the walls. Yeah, we'll it is It is really scary. So now you you're just want to know yourself. You just want to know yourself. We are good at what we do when it comes to Tarot behind the walls, but you can also always say monster be good. Monster if be good. If it ever gets too intense for you oh. and the monster will listen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, my husband's a little mad at me. He's like, I really, really want to go. And every year I say, okay, I'm going to go this year. And then I say, I'm not going to go this year. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's it helped me... It helped me see the building in a new way. It helped me understand how much work goes into doing this amazing haunted house. All the incredible training that folks receive, the way that our technical crew is able to transform these spaces that I know really well oh, and yeah. disorient me, oh my. I think is pretty amazing. So okay. I, I recommend doing <laughs> it, but I also respect that people know themselves. Okay, so I'll say monster be good. Yeah. Can I just say that over and over again the people, whole time? People do it. People, I mean, you, you get behind that person and that's what happens. It's exactly. Okay. Be good, be yeah. good, be good, be good. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you again. Have a great sure. day. Have a great day. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Learn more today about my book, Tell Me More and about me at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. Make it a great day.